Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 351st edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! You're on the way to Worthy, Worthy 5, the Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out of timeout, technical foul, technical foul on Michigan, they're out of timeout. Front court, Williams on the drive, gets it back out to head, long outside shot, short rebounded, May, it's over, Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels, they are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champion. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another live edition of the Four Corners Podcast, guys, broadcasting on a Saturday night. We are a little bit later than normal. That's because, yours truly, we made our way up to Chapel Hill. Um, we got a unexpected offer of tickets to go to the game last evening. Uh, the best part about working in sports is sometimes you get sporting, you get tickets to go to sporting events um, at the last minute. And so we made the trek up to Chapel Hill, um, enjoyed the game, and we've made it back, back here safely uh, to our respective houses. And now we're here to recap Carolina's win over NC State. And that's the objective tonight. We'll do what we always do whenever we recap a win. Um, you'll, we'll take a look at the box score. You'll, you'll, we'll give you a quote from Hubert Davis, give our main takeaways, and so much more. And, buddy, let's just go ahead and, and get right into this thing. Um, you know, well, where, where are you starting here? Because we have, to, we have to take a moment and give a clap and a congratulations. This is the first time you have ever gone to a Toriel sporting event against NC State and seen the team win. It wasn't looking promising in the first half, but yeah. we have finally beaten the curse. That has been you going and seeing this athletic department play NC State. So congratulations, man. We can see him we can see him play state in more sports now moving forward. Look, there have been some uh, monumentous, mo- uh, you know, you know, monumentous moments in Tar Heel athletics. Coach Smith winning his first national championship. Coach Williams winning his first national championship. There's nothing more bigger than I getting the first win in person against NC State. And look at halftime. Um, didn't it, the, the outlook? Well, I'm not gonna say it was bleak. Very much in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Carolina. Um, did win today, seventy-nine to seventy. There, you know, to to improve um, their record in both the ACC and overall. But um, you know, Carolina trailed at the half. They were forty. They were down forty-five to thirty-seven. Um, State ended the half on a fourteen-to-one run to really take control of the game, um, and that was after Carolina a few times in the first half would build a five to six-point lead. See it go away. Um, you got to you got to credit State for the way they played and competed in the first half. They were making shots. They shot nearly sixty percent from the field, um, over sixty percent from three um, in that opening half. And, and look, in games like this and moments like this, we've seen Carolina respond in the second half after being challenged by head coach Huber Davis, and that's what happened today. Carolina would use an 11 to 1 run out of the gate to get back in the game and tie it. And during the midst of state missing 15 straight shots, 
Carolina ultimately built a double-digit lead, and they never looked back. Uh, the Wolfpack shot just 22% in the second half. Meanwhile, Carolina shot 41%. And all in all, it, it, it equals a win that Carolina needed to have to keep themselves a leg up um, on Duke in the ACC regular season title race. Keeps them in the hunt for maybe that last one seed in the NCAA tournament, depending on how Arizona and Tennessee um, close out their respective seasons. But I mean, more importantly, um, you know, we talk about this all the time, uh, whether this game is a rivalry or not. You could tell, by the way, that both teams got after one another in the second half. This is a rivalry game. It means something. It's the last time Armando Baycott was playing against NC State at home. Maybe the last time R.J. Davis is playing at home against NC State. You know, those guys did not want to go out with the loss. And um, while they weren't the primary reason why Carolina won today, we'll talk about big games from Harrison Ingram and Elliott Cadeau. But um, it felt good for Carolina to get another regular season sweep of the Wolfpack. Yeah, and I mean, look, you, you mentioned the guys that are seniors that may have played their last game here, but the thing is, is that RJ steps up late, hits big shots, even though it wasn't the best game that we've seen from him. That's kind of what you're asking for from him, is that, hey, if you're not going to be great the entire game, if you're not going to be the RJ that we saw the other night against Miami, which you don't need to be in the case of what we saw today. Um, you just need to hit shots late for us, and he did. Um, Armando Baycock came up with some key rebounds when he needed to down the stretch of the game. So those guys had their impact. And, you know, I think the thing is, is it's definitely one of those games that is a little bit frustrating because you look at the way that they played in the second half defensively. And you ask yourself, why can we not see this more consistently here down the stretch of the season? Um, I, I, I mean, I, I think this is a team that is still lacking the understanding, at least at this point of the year. And who knows? Maybe this is really just them getting to the end of the regular season. And when they have to do it consistently in the tournament, they will be able to. But – it's the way they played in the second half defensively was pretty much the complete opposite of what they did in the first half. Um, it is, I mean, it is amazing how this team, when they want to defend at a high level, they can do it about as well as anybody in college basketball. And you saw that today. You saw a team that came out in the second half and was motivated to change the way that the game was going because NC State's guards were getting really anything they wanted, especially DJ Horn. And, you know, once Carolina really turned it up, Cormac Ryan, I thought, did a tremendous job on him in that second half. I think that was really the moment that NC State knew that they were in trouble. Carolina puts together a run of their own. They end up taking the lead, and they don't look back. Now, I mean, look, down the stretch of the game, this is something that we've talked so much about, and it showed up again today. Carolina just was not able to put distance between them and NC State once they got a double-digit lead. They've had chances to end games early, but when you go into this conservative mindset that Hubert Davis and his staff have offensively, it, it really limits your ability to pull away from opponents. And I thought that was, again, what we saw what we saw today. So, look, overall, you know, one of those games that's a little bit up and down for Carolina, but you're finding ways to win games. And I'm hoping that this is the first time we've really seen since about the middle part of the season where Carolina defended at an incredibly high level in a half. I mean, for you to hold NC State to 15 straight shots without a make, that is something we have not seen since the first half of conference play. If you can do that more consistently down the stretch of the season, I think you're going to have a chance to make a run in March because this team, as good as they are offensively, defense is what's going to take them deep into the tournament. Look, it's it's understandable, and it's it's. I can see where fans get frustrated with the inconsistencies and the way this team has played since the Duke game. I, as a fan myself, have gotten frustrated with the up and down nature of the way they've played in the second half of the season. 
you got to remind yourself this group has never played with the the target that they're playing with, the pressure that they're playing with, and so they're learning with it. And the problem is, is sometimes you got to learn the hard way, and you got to take it on the chin. You you did it against you did against Clemson when you lost at home. Um, you did at Syracuse when you just did not do what you had to do to beat those types of teams. Um, this is a game that two years ago Carolina loses. This is a game last year Carolina loses because an eight point deficit would have been uh, really hard for them to overcome. They they turned the deficit into um, you know they they were up seven by the. 14-minute mark of the second half. They were up 10 by the 10-minute mark of the second half. Like, they they literally flipped the script of the game in 10 minutes, uh, which is good because that's how tournament games are determined. Um, and sometimes to have that kind of spurtability um, is what makes you a national title contender or what keeps you from being a national title contender. This offense, is it perfect? Um, it's not as efficient as it's been at certain times in the season, but, but you know when they defend at a high level, it really does fuel their offense, and it makes the game easier for the five guys that are on the basketball court. I mentioned the dominance against NC State. Um, Carolina now has 166 wins against the Pack. That's the most against any other team in program history in Chapel Hill. Carolina is 82-23, and 23, including being 31-7 and seven in the Smith Center. In the last 44 games, Carolina is 38-6, and six, and they're 55-13 and 13 against them across the last 32 seasons. And then this also was in uh, Adam Lucas's uh, rapid reaction article, a, a, a note from uh, statistician uh, Jody Zoyner, who does a great job on the basketball broadcast, it's been 50 years since David Thompson, uh, David Thompson played at NC State. At NC State, since he, he left, Car- Carolina has only lost to State 27 times in the 113 matchups, which means that NC State's winning percentage post David Thompson is a whopping 24. percent um, And that's just—it's just incredible. And it's numbers like that as to why people will now say it's no longer a rivalry because it is so lopsided in Carolina's favor. But Well, the players said it, man. Joel Berry told us that how many different times that it's not a rivalry. So. Yeah, um, you know, but I think you saw what happened on the court today. When it got chippy, you get reminded that these two teams are close in proximity. Um, these are two fan bases that a lot of them come from divided households. There's no lost love between them, and it was fun seeing them shake it up on the basketball court. It was even a lot more fun seeing Carolina respond to it and be able to pick up a big win at home against the pack. Let's take a look at the box score. Um, Carolina shot 47% from the field. NC State wound up shooting 42%. So after that red-hot first half, um, they cooled down to shoot 22% in the second half, 42% from the game. Um, Carolina was 6 of 16 from 3, so 38%. NC State was 9 of 19 from 3, 47%. But they shot over 60% from behind the arc in the first half. Free throws were a big big factor in this one. Carolina was aggressive in the second half when the game got called tighter, went to the foul line. Um, They converted on 23 of 27 foul shots. Uh, meanwhile, State was just 11 of 16 from the foul line. But that does work itself out to a nice 69%. Eight turnovers for Carolina led to 15 points for NC State. Nine NC State turnovers. Carolina scored 12 points off of those. The Heels won the rebounding margin for a 17th straight time, 34-231. Um, it was a team effort as Davis and Baycott uh, tied for the most rebounds for anyone on the team. Both of them had seven. Uh, bench points went NC State's favor, 24 to 10. Points in the paint went Carolina's favor, 32 to 20. Um, and Carolina assisted on 13 of their 25 bay baskets, so over half of their uh, baskets were assisted on. NC State assisted on nine of their 25 bay baskets. All in all, Carolina did lead for 25 minutes and five seconds. NC State led for just 11 minutes 
and 42 seconds. We typically play you a piece of sound from head coach Hubert Davis, but uh, given how late the podcast was, I just went and got a physical quote to read for you so we could get going a little bit uh, quicker here. Um, And this quote after the game is a quote as he spoke about what happened in the second half. Always for this year, it has always been the defense that fuels offense. That's something that I talk about. That's something that I preach. To be the best that we can be, we have to step it up on the defensive end. We have to rebound, and we have to take care of the basketball, end quote. You know, he's not hes not wrong. Um, even when Carolina's offense was playing really, really well and they were scoring 100 against Tennessee and 100 against Syracuse, like, yeah, they were shooting the ball well, they were rebounding the ball well, but it was because of what they were doing defensively. They were getting stops, and they were just running off of misses, which is a really hard thing to do um, consistently. And it's even harder to, to run when you got to take the ball, uh, you know, out, out of the basket. But, you know, you saw that in the second half. Like, it was night and day. And look, Carolina scored 37 points in the first half, shot over 50% from the field, and was losing. Like, the offense wasn't the problem in the first half. It was efficient, um, and it was effective. But you weren't getting stops, and you weren't able to, to score against uh, without the defense being set. And then in the second half, during that midst where Carolina got stop after stop after stop, the ball was just getting down the court the other end, and they were getting into their offense a lot quicker, and they were getting much more better looks for Harrison Ingram. And Elliot Cadeau's, uh, you know, dribble drive game was really, you know, on display today. And so um, I think that's something that um, needs to be – needs to come back to the forefront. It needs to be a part of what this team does night in, night out. They're good enough offensively to to score without playing elite defensively. They've got enough guys that can do it. But to win a championship, to – Make a final four. Um, it's the, the evidence is there that when their defense is fueling their offense, this is just a better. This is just a different team in every area and facet of the game. Yeah, I mean, defensively, I think that's what makes this team so different. Is when they're defending at a high level. That's when they're the team that we've talked about is a national championship type of team because you're right. It fuels everything that they do. It's not just um, what they do on the defensive end of the floor, but it's confidence that gets built on the offensive end. It's the fact that they're able to move quicker. That's that's what you're looking for from this team is you want to see this team get out and run. When they're controlling the tempo, we talked about it a lot in the games early in the season, against, especially against teams that wanted to slow it down. And we talked about it a little bit later in the year when they took on teams like Virginia that really want to take the air out of the ball. When this team can run, and and look, you're not going to run for 40 minutes. It's just not it, it's not going to happen. Teams at times are going to be able to, you know, get hot, slow the game down because they're making shots. But I think what we saw at certain points from Carolina is that when they were able to speed this NC State team up, I mean, we know it. This is an NC State team that has some guys, particularly one, that cannot he, – he cannot handle running. It's just not there. It's not there for him. So I think that needed to be the game plan going in. You saw it strategically at times from Carolina. But, yeah, it all starts with what you're doing defensively. And I thought the best part was second half they come out they didn't immediately start pressing. They were just defending in the half court. And then once they got themselves back into the game by the way they were defending in the half court, by stepping up in that area, communicating well, the guards doing a better job of staying in front of guys, then it was time to press a little bit. So that's I, I love that from Hubert Davis where he said, look, we're going to start out. You guys have to be able to defend in the half court because we can't press the entire game. You guys just cannot handle that right now at this point in the season. So what we're going to do, you better guard your guys straight up and get yourself back into this game. And they did. And it's it's why, you know, at times this year, you know, you get frustrated with the fact that they just can't stay in front of everybody because there's other halves in the same games where they do such a great job of that. I mean, the second half, 
the, the guards, I mean, I told you when we were sitting there in the Smith Center at halftime, guys are just getting where they want to go so easily. And we saw that in games against Miami. Um, Syracuse's guards really did that. And look, man, DJ Horn is a hell of a guard. He deserves a lot of praise. In that first half, he was creating on his own. He got where he wanted to go on the floor. The second half, Carolina did not let him get to his spots. And when you don't and you force them to have to go and try to throw something, a, a contested shot up from an area that they did not originally plan to be, it just completely changes the game and can fuel you on both ends of the floor confidence-wise. Yeah, and it's um, it's a lot of fun to watch whenever Carolina gets after it defensively. Um because it, it does just it does open everything up for them on the other end of the court, and, and we live in a day and time where points are at a premium. Um, we want to see you know points scored left and right, um, but you gotta you gotta play defense, and this team can play elite defense. They did that in the second half. Big reason why they were able to pull out the victory today. Stat of the game, I went with second-half field goal percentage. Um, Carolina shot just 41%. Not great, but you held State to 22% shooting. Uh, We mentioned the 15 straight shots that they missed um, at one point there in the second half that allowed Carolina to effectively take, take control of the game. And, you know, usually when a team shoots the ball, for the, the percentage that State shot in the first half, well over 50%, well over 60%. You don't expect that to, to carry over into the second half. But if Carolina wouldn't have picked up their energy and their effort, State was more than capable of you know of duplicating that in the second half because every shot they, they took, they were comfortable. You know, Hubert Davis talks about how they, they got to make the defense feel them. They never, they never felt Carolina's presence on that end of the court. Um, and granted, for the, the the majority and up until that fourteen to one run, it wasn't like State was making their presence felt either defensively because Carolina was getting just about whatever look they wanted. But you, you know, it was just too easy. And you mentioned DJ Horn. Uh, DJ Horn might be the best guard in the country. Nobody talks about because he plays at NC State and a team that's not going to the tournament. But you can see how good he is how dominant he could be. Um, he was the best player on the floor in the first half between either team. And Carolina was letting him do whatever he wants, get wherever he wants, and and, and, and shoot. That changed in the second half. Um, you saw some times where Harrison Ingram got matched up on him, and Harrison Ingram was able to use his size, his length, to impact the game. Um, I thought Cormac Ryan's energy in the second half was just different because he was so connected to whatever man he was guarding that – even though in the end one, we, we, we've seen it from day one, teams have ran screen after screen after screen at Cormac Ryan. And there have been times where he gets beaten by it. But when he's connected and he's being able to fight over those screens, you really see how good of a, of a defender he can be. And he defended his tail off in the second half. We know what Seth Trimble can do. Um, and even Elliot Cadeau got a little bit better as the game went along. And so, um, you know, you look at this game, Carolina doesn't win without that second-half performance um, defensively, and that's why that is our stat of the game. So we've set the scene. Uh, we, we've given initial thoughts and takeaways, gone over the historical dominance that, dominance that Carolina is enjoying right now against NC State. Coming up next – um, we'll we'll get in back we'll get in back to more talk about the NC State game more thoughts more takeaways and we get to our discussion topic but first we got to play you a quick word from one of our partners hey there Josh here for the Autograph Fandom app want to get rewarded for listening to our show the team at Autograph co-founded by Tom Brady is redefining the fan experience by letting users earn points for the acts of fandom they take every day, like listening to this show. The Autograph Fandom app gives you access to your favorite UNC content in one place and offers rewards like tickets, exclusive merchandise, and much more. You're already listening to our show, but now you can earn points and get rewarded for it. Head over to the Apple App Store and search for Autograph Fandom Rewarded and download it today for free using the referral code HEELTOUGH. Link and code are also in our podcast description. 
Make sure you head over to the Apple App Store, guys. Search for the Autograph Fandom Rewarded app and use that promo code and enter a Chino and, and, and get rewarded for being a fan. They sent some fans to the game today. So um, it's, it's an app designed just for you. Um, and so help us help you for literally being a fan. Let's get back into the, the thoughts and takeaways from Carolina's win today. Um, Got to talk about Harrison Ingram. You know, a season high, 22 points for him today, 8 of 14 from the field, 2 of 5 from behind the three-point line, was 4 of 4 from the foul line with six rebounds. The 22 points, um, believe it or not, that, 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 that was the season high for him. You would have thought with the way he played against Duke that that would have been his season high because he was just – uh, super scintillating, sensational um, that night against the Blue Devils. And, look, Carolina needed him today. And Carolina has been needing him to reemerge as a threat on the offensive end of the floor. It's been a big reason why they haven't been um, as explosive or efficiently offensively because it's basically been R.J., Armando, and Cormac Ryan's late-season resurgence that's carried them. But – you know, today he was Carolina's best offensive player up until winning time when R.J. Davis went and closed the game out. I thought every shot he took was within rhythm of the offense, within the flow of the offense, and shots that best suit him. You saw him get back to his back-to-the-basket game. And, you know, whether he drew fouls or not or just missed the shots, he was getting good looks at the rim. He got to see the ball go in the basket that should breed confidence for him. It could have come at a better time with one week left to go in the regular season. But uh, just a, a massive game today for Harrison Ingram and Carolina needed everything he gave them earlier this afternoon. Well, I mean, look, we I said earlier about what took Carolina to a championship-type level. And I think, yeah, defend, the way they defend is one. If Harrison Ingram can play this way offensively, then that would be the second thing that could really take you to that kind of level. Um, he is – when he is scoring offensively, this team is just different because he sh- he can do so many different things with the ball. The way that he can pass, but – if he's stretching the floor and can knock down shots from the outside, it forces some of these big men to have to go out of the paint, defend them, um, like you saw today with Diara. Um, you know, and then you saw, as you mentioned, the back to the basket and just mid range game. Um, I thought, you know, in, in the game against Miami, the mid range game, and he got looks, he just couldn't knock them down. Today, those shots were being knocked down. The back to the basket game, I thought early in the game, State sort of set a precedent that they were going to try to put, they put Michael O'Connell on him for a while. Um, and I thought it was, it was, Exactly what needed to happen was when you have a smaller guard like that, put your back into him, back him inside, and go to work. And that's what that's what he did. And he got just about anything that he wanted. And when he's doing that, especially early in the game, it sets the tone for him. Once he's a guy more than just about anybody on this team, I think even more than Cormac Ryan. Once he early in the game, if he sees shots go in, that's how he establishes himself, and that's when he has his best offensive nights. He needs to see the ball go in early because that breeds confidence on that end of the floor. And today, I think he just kind of knew early on, I'm the guy that needs to be able to make shots. They're they're giving me the looks more than they're giving Cormac. RJ, it was clear they wanted to try to do everything they could to take RJ out of the game, and even Armando inside. And so he was the guy that got the best opportunities, and credit to him today for knocking him down. That's the guy that you really want to see. I think it's important for him to rebound at a high level as well, because when he's doing that, that's really, really important for Carolina. But maybe even more important than him being a great rebounder, because you do have Armando Baycott, you want him to be that consistent scoring option because we've said it. We need guys that can step up and be consistent scoring options next to R.J. Davis. It feels like he's the guy that at times this year has been right on the precipice of being that guy. Maybe this is a chance for him to start turning that corner and becoming a more consistent scorer down the stretch. 
Yeah, not the best game today from the big fella, Armando. He did score 13 points and grab seven rebounds, but was four of 12 from the field. Um, he said in the post game that um, he left a lot of points on the basketball court. And if they had Carolina lost, he was going to be a bigger, big reason why. And I don't want to, uh, you know, pile on. He wouldn't have been wrong, though, because, you know, he missed a dunk, he missed a layup, and there were some other plays that were that were there to be made. I thought um, his positioning and where he was, his court recognition uh, court recognition was, was bad. Um, a lot of times he just didn't know where he was when he got the ball and went to go make a move. Um, you know, it felt like every time he, you know, when he got up against DJ Burns, he liked that matchup because he knew he could he could get right by him, which is saying something because Wanda is not the the fastest guy on his feet, but um, you know he still gave you a winning performance. Um, and, and seeing him make all five free throws after going one of six on Monday was 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 definitely needed. But Greg Ward has a comment here that I wanted to uh, reference. Elliot Cadeau may end up being the X factor in the dance. I thought today was one of his best games so far. And, look, he had 15 points, was 5 of 7 from the field, hit a big three, um, was 4 or 5 from the foul line, four rebounds, seven assists, all in 31 minutes. And so on the surface, yes, Elliot Cadeau had a a great game. And um, it feels like for him – when the stage gets a little bit brighter, he he gets up for it because um, early in the game, you know, I saw a couple of people that were covering the game were talking about how noticeable was he was yapping. Um, he was doing his fair share of talking on the court. And look, Carolina doesn't doesn't win the game without what he did today. Um, but and it, it finally got to a point where Hubert Davis took him out. You're, you're, we, we had a, a 20, uh, 10 second violation the other night against yeah. Miami. That wasn't his fault. That was Harris Ringham's fault. There were literally six to eight times tonight where he was flirting with not getting the ball across the, the, the mid court stripe in, in 10 seconds. Yep. And before Cormac Ryan eventually would foul out, Hubert Davis took him out with less than three minutes to go, and Carolina was going to close. Davis, Tremble, Ryan, Ingram, Baycott, which I, I, I still think might be Carolina's best closing lineup because Tremble's a better defender. And I think at that point in the game, we want the ball in R.J. Davis's hands. But there's, there, there's no denying that what Elliot Cadeau was doing, first off, it was being coached because you didn't see any, anything from Hubert Davis up until we called the timeout. For them to do anything differently. Hubert did call a timeout before the under four minute mark. It's like four sixteen or so. And you saw Carolina kind of get back into their back into their offense. But you know, that's something where and I like I know it's being coached, but as a point guard, you still gotta be mindful of time, score, and understand that 10 seconds, yes, it's a lot of time. But if you're walking it up the court, those 10 seconds go by very quick. And so, Greg, I don't necessarily agree with you, man. Um, you know, guard play is the most important thing in college basketball come the NCAA tournament. But I don't know if he's going to be a part of Carolina's closing five. I don't think it's a bad thing, but there's still no denying today. It was an up and down performance, but it was good to see him find a gear offensively because on a night where Mondo and RJ weren't scoring the way that we're used to them, Carolina needed others to step up. And Ellie Cadet was one of those guys that was – tough enough and able to do so. Well, here's the thing. If he attacks the basket the way that he did today, I find it hard to believe he won't be a part of their closing lineup because I think, especially down the stretch of the year, they will not be faced with a ton of games that they are not in in a close battle where they end up having to – you know, probably play their normal offense for almost all 40 minutes. Um, and that's the thing is, is, yeah, you can say that 
Elliot Cadeau is not doing what he's supposed to do, um, that he's, he's slow moving the ball up the court at times. And trust me, I, I mean, I was as frustrated as anybody with that part of it, watching him get to 21 seconds and nearly not making it across half court after getting a half court violation. As you mentioned, not his fault the other night, but that's something that you would think is, is kind of ingrained in him after – what happened the other night. We see it so rarely where you get a 10-second violation. That should be something that sticks with you and cause you to at least get across half court a little bit quicker. But, yeah, I mean, the frustrating part is that part of it is being coached, and I don't understand why with 10 minutes to go in the game, that was where we were at. That doesn't really make any sense to me, why we're going that conservative with, I get it, double-digit lead, but – you're going that conservative with 10 minutes to go. This is the part of what we've talked about. You want to put opponents away. Well, in order to put opponents away, you need to continue to run your offense. Like, I get it, man. Three minutes to go, you're up by 12. Yeah, you want to start to limit possessions a little bit. But I sort of liked after the timeout when Carolina started to at least look for their offense with 18, 16 at the latest seconds to go on the clock because what happened was if the initial look was not there that they were looking for, they went to their secondary looks and their, and and sometimes even their third options. And you were able to get some good looks down the stretch because when you're having to rush things, like you saw before he called that timeout, you get into these situations where you have to take your first shot. And if it's not there, that's it. You're going back down the court. You're trying to defend. And, you know, especially the way the game was starting to be called late in the game where every bit of contact was being called. Guys were going to the foul line. And I get it. State didn't shoot a lot of free throws. Carolina did a good job without, uh, of defending without fouling. But you don't want to put yourself in that situation because, yeah, everybody, when that game got to five points, everybody was saying to themselves, what the hell are we doing out there? And this team adjusted, credit to them. But in terms of Elliot Cadeau, I mean, yeah, great day from him, I thought, on the offensive end. I thought defensively he struggled in the first half. I think very reminiscent of what we saw from the team as a whole. I thought the first half defensively, I mean, there were times where he, he just couldn't even keep his feet. He almost fell multiple times. Um, he couldn't stay in front of guys. And then I thought in the second half, there was an adjustment made. There's no denying that Seth Trimble is this team's best defender. Um and I think that there is some value to that. But if you're going to have a guy that can consistently score, and you talked about how when the lights get brightest, that's when he seems to shine. It's going to be hard to keep a guy like that off the floor if he's able to attack the rim, especially. That's what we wanted to see more from this team because when this offense is at its best, it's when it's attacking downhill. So I think that's the thing you got to kind of balance out there. I think there'll be a lot of times where – Hubert will have to balance him and Trimble subbing in and out of the games late. I think that there, there's going to be a lot of that once they get into the NCAA tournament, and I think that's that's how they got to play it. It's also one of those things where if you notice Cadeau is, is taking too much time nearly turning the ball over like he did today, or if he is turning the ball over live ball turnovers or something like that, then, yeah, you, you got to get him out. You get a, a guy who's more veteran, who's not going to be nearly as risky. But the thing about Trimble, too, is, is that free throw-wise, he hasn't been great recently. So it's not like it's even that much of an upgrade there. So, yeah, I think that that's that's what Hubert is going to have to balance down the stretch of the season. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how he handles that. Yeah, I mean, look, but probably, you know, as you get into the last week of the regular season – and then in tournament play, you're playing offense or defense with Cadeau and Trimble down the stretch in, in close games. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and that, that's probably on the table. And I thought more so than anything, uh, first off, great crowd today in the Smith Center. We talk about how the Duke game is always a great crowd. Today was fantastic. It, 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 was, it was loud. Um, and they were a big part of cheering them on to start the second half. And once Carolina got control of the game, they did a fantastic job. But I also thought that, you know, when Carolina went to basically 
the modern version of the four corners. And I know it's odd that we as a podcast complain about that style of play, considering what our podcast is named after. But, like, guys, if you know me, you love me. Everything I do is about just paying honor and tribute to the program. That's why the podcast is named the Four Corners Podcast. You know, it was an 11-point game, and Carolina goes to it. Ingram takes a god-awful shot. State runs down, gets a bucket. Carolina walks the ball up the court. Bad shot. State runs down, takes a three. Carolina sticks with it because two times isn't enough. And Carolina goes down, god-awful shot. It's now a five-point game. And you can feel the crowd. It was an uneasiness, and it was an urge to play basketball, get back to playing basketball. Um, and, and, look, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in press conferences. God, I wish I was. How this has not been asked to Hubert Davis is mind-blowing. And I listen to his pressers every Friday before – Whoever Carolina plays on Saturday, this does this does not get brought up, and um, it needs to. And there needs to be a there needs to be an answer because we've seen Carolina deploy this tactic time and time again, and watch it time and time again not work. And what I don't understand is why instead of putting the game away. Because I think if Carolina keeps their foot on the gas, they run away from they, they run away uh, from NC State. There's there's multiple games this year where if they do that and they don't get that conservative, they probably walk away with more comfortable victories in and, probably the, the teens and twenties. And so it's 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 frustrating um, because there was at that point in the game when you built a double-digit lead with the way that you had competed defensively and the way you were getting whatever you wanted offensively, I'm going to be brutally honest. There was no reason for it to be a five-point game again. And no. There was really no reason for the game to still be in doubt with three minutes to go given NC State's foul trouble. That's and the now, it, it feels like that's every game that we have played down the stretch of the season. Games that you feel like we're in control of whether it was you had to storm back and take that type of lead, whatever, you always feel like we're going to let this team back into the game because they do. It's the same thing, and you you notice it coming with about eight minutes to go in just about every game. Today it was even earlier. I couldn't believe. I was like, we're literally doing this after the under 12? Like, I just – when they get a double-digit lead, it, it just the, – the offense completely changes. And you're right. It, it, it probably is something that he took from Coach Smith. But, again, Coach Smith did this when you didn't have to worry about the shot clock. So, yeah, I mean, you, you, you could take a ton of time off the clock if you ran the four corners to perfection. It doesn't work like that now. You're, you're waiting way too late into the shot clock. And that's the thing. Again, you can slow the pace down, but you need to start getting into your offense or at least looking for your offense with about 15, 16 seconds to go. Because when you're waiting until 10 seconds or sometimes even later, they'll get around eight seconds and you're then trying to get something, it just it, it, it turns into – Basically, I mean, because the thing is, you don't have the offensive rebounders that you've had in the past. We saw it again tonight. It's not, hey, we're going to throw up a shot, and if it's off, hey, Armando's going to rip down the rebound and give you a second chance. It'll happen from time to time, but it's not consistent enough for you to run that style of offense over and over and over again. And it's why, yeah, they, they have had chances to put teams away. And part of it has been that they have made mistakes. We've talked about the turnover issues that they've had at times down the stretch in games. But a lot of the issues have to de- have to go hand in hand with the fact that they are slowing themselves down. And pretty much, as, as you've said multiple times, they're just not running offense at times. Nope, nope, they're not, and um, it's mind-blowing, and it's confusing, and it makes my head want to explode watching watching that, 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 that tactic. Like, if it was effective, wouldn't care. Do whatever you got to do because ultimately winning is the name of the game. It's not effective, and it's not, it's not achieving what you're setting out to achieve. All in all, man, like, it's, it's really hard to, to sit here and complain 
when a you you win, you're now twenty three and six, fifteen and three um, in the league, and you did so on a day where your best player um, did not score forty two and did not you know stay hot after a historic performance on earlier in the week. RJ today just fourteen points was four of eleven from the field, two of five from three. Uh, four or five from the foul line with seven rebounds, but ultimately, um, when it when it got when it got to winning time, RJ was uh, RJ was there to make the plays, um, and he helped, and he was it was still a big part of why Carolina ultimately won the game. Let's now get to the discussion topic because Carolina's defense in the first half was getting carved up like Thanksgiving turkey. They gave up forty five points. State shot sixty four percent from the field. Uh, or no, they shot 58% from the field, 64% from three. Um, this is this is not what we expected. Um, uh, I got to tell you, after what, the way I saw this team compete defensively at Virginia, and I know Virginia is a limited offensive team. They didn't score 50 again tonight as they got blown out by Duke. Uh, shout out to Kyle Filipowski with the uh, – the recovery of the year health-wise, able to throw a windmill dunk after, um, you know, almost tearing his ACL last week while issuing contact in, in, in a court storming. He did back- get comeback player of the year. I mean, it's truly unbelievable. From nearly having a limb amputated to being where he's at today, it's just stunning. You go to Monday where Miami shot 47% from behind the three-point line for the game. They were 14 of 30. Like, State cooled off in the second half. But, you know, I I, I said in previewing the game, man, that I, I thought with as, as poignant as Schubert Davis was in his postgame on Monday about getting to practice and, and looking to get better, I, I thought Carolina – was going to play much but I thought they were going to come out in the first half the way they came out in the second half. I thought they were going to come out with their hair on fire. I thought they were going to be competing. I thought they were going to be contesting. Instead, they were just there for a Sunday stroll. Is it is it okay to be concerned that this team defensively – like I said during January, man, you ain't going to play at that level for three months. Like, it was a historic level of defense. Yep. So you knew there was going to be some regression to the mean, but, um, you, you know, the, like you play the way you play in the first half next week against Duke, you're getting beat. You play that way in the ACC tournament, you're getting beat. You play that way in the NCAA tournament, you're getting beat. Am I, am I, am I right to be concerned about um, this defense – not being ready to go from the opening tip, and it might be something that ultimately costs Carolina, whether it's a regular season title, a conference tournament title, or heaven forbid, a spot in the, in the final four. Yeah, I mean, of course, of course it is, because this has been a problem for most of the year, because you go back even before they were defending the way that they were defending to start full conference play. You know, there were times you go back to the battle for Atlantis. That, that was the name of the game out there, man. First half, they were horrendous defensively. And then they would sort of turn it up and play better. Um, they didn't play nearly as good as they needed to against uh, against Villanova. And that's what ended up costing them. But, yeah, that's that's been a lot of what we've seen from them, man. And it's it's frustrating at times um, because it's just the, – the thing that's, that's maddening to me is that you look at the, how good they defended in the second half. And it was like a, it was a completely different team. Um, I, I just – I don't understand like it, – it, and, yeah, if you do that in the first half of some tournament games – in certain teams, especially like we talked, we talked about one earlier today when we were heading up there, just talking about some of the teams nationally. You do that against BYU. BYU comes out and hits 14 threes in the first half or something like that because you just can't guard the dribble drive and it leads to that ball moving and eventually getting to open shooters. I mean, you might not be able to overcome a deficit like that. So that's the thing that scares me a little bit. And, you know, the other thing is, is the way they defend some of these guards that can create their own shot. You're you're going to run into guys like that once you get into March. Guys that just do such a great job of 
taking the bat, taking the ball, getting to their spot on the floor and making shots over your shorter guards. That that's the thing. So we'll see. I, I do think that, you know, this team has shown that they can defend at a high level. And I really do believe that this is a team that is capable of turning it on in March and really just defending that way when they get to the most important games of the season. But it is – look, you, you should not be mad at yourself for having that thought in the back of your mind of, hey, is this going to carry over? Because we have seen it so consistently down the stretch of the season. They've never really been able to string together here since that start of the, or of the year back-to-back outstanding defensive performances. So they need to start showing us that at some point here. I'm hoping they're just saving it for the tournament because, again, if they defend – at that level, and they don't have to be elite defensively, but if you can find ways to defend more consistently at the level that you did in that second half today, it's going to be incredibly hard for anybody to beat you. Yeah, I mean, look, I I, I, I hope that once you get to the NCAA tournament, I don't, we don't got to worry about this because it's survive and advance and it's a single elimination. Um, you know, but we, we got to wait and see once you get there. The good news is, is they've shown the ability to respond and they've shown the ability to, to bounce back um, and, 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 and play better in the second half and make up for um, a lackluster first half. That's what they did today. That's a big reason why they won today. Um, and that's a big reason why they're ultimately a step closer to winning an ACC regular season title. Well, with that, guys, it is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I do want to thank everybody that tuned in live and we did, as we did grow a little bit later tonight with us making our way back um, from Chapel Hill. In the meantime, guys, we encourage you to visit the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Um, we'll have the recap of the NC State game posted. It'll be up there tomorrow. We prioritize the podcast tonight, uh, but we'll have the article up there tomorrow. Some uh, communication issues with intern Ashton is the reason why there's no article up on the website. So blame him as to why there's nothing to read about from today's win over NC State. Horrible, Anthony has, horrible teammate. You are. Anthony has you covered uh, all things NFL Combine. Solid day for Tez Walker up in Indianapolis. Simply put, just to make it easy on you guys, check the website, heeltoughblog.com every single day. Latest Carolina basketball, Tar Heel football coverage. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up. Or there we will. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up another edition of the show. We want to thank all, thank all of you that tuned in live. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than